Hi, everyone. Let's pray. <coughs> yeah, it's been a while, yeah. Father, we want to come before you right now, Lord, and we want to ask that you would open up our hearts, God. There's things that you want to do here this morning, Lord, and we know that the enemy doesn't want that to happen, and so we want to ask that you would take all of our thoughts captive, God. You would bring them all to the cross. You'd focus our hearts on you this morning, Jesus, and that every, everything that is from the devil would just, um, by the power of your Holy Spirit, would stay far away from our minds this morning, far away from anything that we are going to receive now, that we would receive it the way that you want to give it, Lord, by the power of your Spirit. We just pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. <coughs> yeah, so, um, gosh, it feels like I've been away with Ornella for like a year, like really. So, yeah, yeah in a good way. So we were at uh, Wellington, we were at this thing called the Apostolic Advance. I have no idea why they invited me. Uh, it happened, and I was like, oh man, I've, like, I want to meet with you guys next week, and I want to like, do work and stuff, and I'm just like, but they like, have this invite. So I was kind of like, okay, let's go, let's go. So we went, and then got into this like Wellington, everything was paid for, it was so beautiful. We met people from... Australia, people from Russia, a couple from Russia. Um, where else? Or no, where else? Netherlands. Uh, where Nadine went to? The, they came, yeah, Johannesburg. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so um, people from the United States, guys that had flown for hours, paid for their own tickets, okay, left their wives and children at home, many of them, came through to be in Wellington to sit under apostolic teaching for a week. And now I'm sitting with these guys who are like overseeing multiple churches, have these huge ministries, and we're like eating breakfast together. And I'm like, I feel so out of place. I'm like, what am I doing here? But the Lord had other plans. So there's, there's many things that happened. Ornella's going to share some stuff with you as well. And I think that we're going to start seeing the fruits of that time away soon um, as well. It was incredible. It felt like, I was telling Nsiki earlier on, I felt, I feel like a little, um, a little tree that's had like a bunch of fertilizer packed around it. And I'm just like, oh, like there's so much. There was so much that we, we did and dealt with. It was incredible, mind-blowing. But Ian said to me on Sunday, so I had a message prepared. A baptism of the Holy Spirit, and he's like, Jethro, I feel like we're not going to do that next week. I want you to teach on what I'm teaching on today. So I was like, awesome, that sounds cool. And then off to Wellington, and then it's like in the morning, in the afternoon, in the evening, just teaching, teaching, and I'm like, oh Lord, where am I going to get time to prepare this message? And I was sitting in the tent with Onella, and the Lord just spoke to me, and he's like, throughout the time here, God is going to prepare the message. And I didn't know how intense that was actually going to be. So God prepared this message to the people that I spoke to. It wasn't stuff that I, I was like, oh, this is the message I'm doing on Sunday. It was like just conversations and teachings and like impartations and all sorts of stuff. So I want to really encourage you this morning to listen carefully because this message is not from me. This is a message from God for you. When Ian told me, the subject, the first thing that popped into my mind, if some of you guys were at the, the preacher training class yesterday, the first thing that popped into my mind was uh, Moses speaking to Pharaoh saying, let my people go, let my people go. And I was like, okay, I had all my own ideas and stuff. And then last night, the Lord gave me this message. I, we were sitting at that um, preacher training and it was just like, while he's speaking, the Lord is just boom, boom, boom. Okay, this is what you're going to talk about. So, this is like, this happened yesterday. So, if I go off or if something happens, just please give me grace. Um, yeah, so, guys, I just want to say, we've been saying something that is like a Christian swear word, okay? Deliverance. Oh, my word. How dare we speak about that? It's like, get the anointing oil watch the exorcists, lock the doors, stuff is going to happen, people are going to start screaming and shouting, 
And I just want to encourage you today, that's definitely not the case. And if it is the case, it's okay. It's better to be free and undignified than, like Ian was saying earlier on, dignified but in bondage to the devil, okay? So whatever God, like Ian was saying earlier on, whatever God wants to do in your heart today, when I start speaking and we start going through these things, if the Lord starts pricking things in your heart, don't wait until later. Please, don't wait until later. It's very, very simple. You just come like, God, I think this is me. Lord, please set me free from this right now. Set me free from this. I want your freedom. Okay. So the title of this message uh, is Feast in the Wilderness. And I know some of you are going through a wilderness right now and you might feel like, oh my word, I have no idea what's going on. Like Ian said, it feels like everything is just plummeting downhill fast. And you're like, I don't know what to do. I feel like hope is slowly slipping through my fingers. Okay. But God has a plan. He has a plan. He's not surprised by what's going on in your life right now. Okay. So um, I want to take us back all the way back to uh, the desert, the wilderness. So if you want to come with me, uh, first I want to ask you this. Do you feel like God has been taking you on a journey over the last couple of months personally? Do you feel like you're going somewhere with the Lord? That with church, God has been touching things, He's been doing things, and it's almost like you can see we're on this journey together. And Ian like, has been leading us by following the Holy Spirit and taking us on this journey. He's even got a beard like Abraham, so, <laughs> so we can follow him. Um, and I want to take you just a few hundred years after Abraham, okay? So into the desert in Egypt, uh, the Egyptians are doing, oh, sorry, the Israelites are in Egypt. They're doing what most of us do, and that is work and sweat and slave away, uh, building something that is not for God, okay? Building something that is God has got nothing to do with. It's actually the devil's work. They're busy doing that, okay? So if you could um, go to Exodus 3, verse 7 and 8. So, so they're busy building this thing, and they're doing it under force. Because what happened was the Pharaoh realized that the Israelites are just multiplying and multiplying, kind of like us. We are multiplying, okay? And the enemy didn't like that. And he's like, these guys are going to overpower us. So we need to put them to forced labor and really make it life hard for them, as hard as it can be. Okay, let's read what it says here. Exodus 3, 7, 8 says, Then the Lord, okay, so sorry, I'm jumping straight in here. So Moses is wandering around the deserts. He tried to kill the man, and then he ran away. And he meets God at this burning bush, and he's like, what in the world? This bush is burning. It's not going out. There's something so weird going on here. And out of the bush, here's this voice speaking to him, take your sandals off. You're on holy ground. And he's like, whoa, okay, God is speaking to me. And God comes and shares his heart. So throughout this message, there's three things I want to do. I want to show you what the Father's heart is towards your freedom. I want to show you what Jesus' mission is for your freedom and the power that you have in the Holy Spirit to walk in freedom, okay? Those are three things. The first thing is God's heart. So the Lord involves Moses in what he's busy doing and what his heart is, and he says to him, the Lord told him, you can be sure I have seen the misery of my people in Egypt I have heard their cries for deliverance from their harsh slave drivers. Yes, I'm aware of their suffering. So I have come to rescue them from the Egyptians and lead them out of Egypt into their own good and spacious land. Doesn't that sound amazing? It is a land flowing with milk and honey. The land where the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Peru, all those people live. So I just want to, I want, I want you to picture this for a moment. Like, you're in this little confined space and there's like your boss is like in your cubicle and he's shouting at you and he's do this, do that. You can feel the tension. And then imagine walking outside in your break and you just, you can stretch your arms out and you're like in this wide open space. That's God's heart. He wants you, he doesn't want you to be in bondage. He doesn't want you to be in slavery. He wants you to be here 
in a land flowing with milk and honey, a spacious land. That's Jesus' heart, okay? Can you go just to the previous? Um, thank you very much. So this is so interesting, I find. Like, Pharaoh is a picture of the devil, okay, in Egypt. The Israelites are you and I. Who are the slave drivers? Ornella, you're not allowed to say anything. You're my wife. You know the whole message like three times. Right? Okay, so just think of this for a minute. Slave drivers, if the Pharaoh is the devil, then those harsh slave drivers are working for him, doing whatever he wants, keeping the people suppressed and in bondage. Demons. It's a picture of us, for us, of demons, demonic forces. God says he hears their suffering. He knows what's going on. He's not unaware. You're crying out to him. You have an addiction or you like watch Netflix so much, so much. And you open your Bible and you're like, oh God, I miss you, Lord. I miss spending time with you, Lord. I miss you. I know I should pray more. I know I should do all these things more. I miss the times, the sweet times that we used to spend together. God hears your prayers. He knows that. His heart is that. He misses you even more. He wants to be with you. He longs to be with you. Okay, he doesn't want you to be in bondage. So God pours out his thoughts to Moses and he involves him in a plan. But Moses is kind of like, what are you talking about? You want me, this little guy, to go and speak to Pharaoh and this, the king of Egypt and to go and tell him all this stuff and to go and present myself to the Israelites? You, are, you, are you serious? Like, I, I can't even speak properly. I stumble over my words. Like, how is this going to work? And God says to him, I'm going to be, I've made your mouth. I'm going to be with your tongue. I know everything that you need to speak. I'm going to give you the words. And I would encourage you right now, if, there, if God ever puts a prayer in your heart for someone else or a word for someone else, you don't have to think like, oh man, I can't remember that YouTube video that theological seminary, what does that thing that people, that prayer that people say, you don't, who cares, who cares, God cares more about your heart, and he will give you the words for that person as soon as you open your mouth, you don't need to cook up your own idea of how you're going to do God's work, okay, so Moses is like a little bit scared and all this stuff, and then God eventually says, okay, fine, I'm going to use your brother, and you're going to be like God to Pharaoh, and your brother is going to be like the prophet, he's going to say everything that I tell you, you're going to tell Aaron, and then he's going to tell, he's going to tell the Pharaoh. It seems very awkward, actually. But uh, yeah, that's, that's the kind of predicament Moses found himself in. So, And uh, could you please put up Exodus 4, verse 22 to 23. So this is what God says to Moses that he should deliver to the Pharaoh. You, you will tell the Pharaoh, this is what the Lord says, Israel is my firstborn son. I, command, I commanded you to let him go so he could worship me. But since you have refused, be warned, I will kill your firstborn son. Do you see how serious God is about your freedom? He's serious. This is not a, a small thing. This is not a joke for him. God counts you as his child. He wants you to be with him, to be free with him. And he will come against the things that are standing in the way of you being free. He will do it. And he's very severe. He says here, I will kill your firstborn, your firstborn son. Okay? This is talking about Pharaoh and the Egyptians, like demonic forces. This is a picture of us, of demonic forces. Okay? So Moses goes to Pharaoh, and then if you go to Exodus 5, verse 1, we get those, that famous line. After this presentation to Israel's leaders, Moses and Aaron went to see the Pharaoh. They said to him, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, let my people go, for they must go out into the wilderness to hold a religious festival in my honor. God, yo, imagine you like, actually, you know what, Pharaoh didn't get the, the picture. But I'm like, he's speaking on behalf of the living God. It's as if God is standing in front of Pharaoh and saying to him, you will let the people go. These are my people. 
They're not yours anymore, okay? I want to encourage you right now, as I'm saying this, this is what God is saying to you, okay? You are his son. You are his daughter. He wants you to be completely free, totally free, to walk in freedom. And he will come against any force of darkness in power to set you free. So what happens is the Pharaoh stubbornly turns his heart against God, okay? It's actually very interesting in Samuel, it says that stubbornness is as idolatry. It's funny, we think of stubbornness as like, oh, I've got a little stubborn, oh, I'm stubborn, you know, like, oh, no, that person's quite stubborn. God is like, no, stubbornness is like idolatry. Rebellion is like witchcraft. It's like the sin of witchcraft. Like stubbornness is a real serious thing in God's eyes. He deals with it seriously. If that's you, if stubbornness is something that is like, man, I've got this little problem. Like someone says something to me that's in a position of authority that God has put me in. And I just feel like going like, oh, no, I don't want to do that. That's stubbornness. You can, you, right now, you can go like, God, this is not from you. God, this is something that's not from me even. This is something that's from the enemy. I don't want this anymore. I'm tired of this thing. God, I want to give this thing up to you. So what happens is the Israelites eventually leave Egypt through a lot of God literally just crushing the Pharaoh and crushing Egypt and coming in power and destroying, making a spectacle of all the Pharaoh's, the, the Egyptians' gods, okay? He comes in power and wonders and miracles and signs against the, the Egyptians. And they, they take like a fast road out of Egypt, like they are, they fully clothed, fully dressed, with their staffs in their hands, and God says to them this last thing. Remember he said, I'm going to kill their firstborn son. So God says, take the blood of a lamb, put it on the doorposts, and have this like meal, this Passover meal. And while you're busy doing that, if you don't have the blood on the doorposts, there's going to be an angel of death that's going around and literally killing all the firstborn sons of Egypt. While you're busy eating this meal, I want you to do it fully clothed, with your shoes on, with your staff in your hand, ready to run, okay? And this is what happens. They, they do this. You know that we still celebrate the Passover meal today. The breaking of bread, the bread and the juice, that to us as Christians, is that promise that God would pass over, that he would pass over judgment, and the judgment would come against the forces of darkness. So they're hightailing it out of Egypt in a hurry. There's no weapons. It's just a whole bunch of people, moms, dads, children. Everyone is running. They're on the run. Okay, they go through this canyon, and they on this beach. It's actually like a kilometer big, this beach. And Moses brings them there. They're following God. Moses brings them to this beach. And they're like, okay, we can literally hear the chariots in our ears behind us. We're on this little beach. There's almost like a million of us here. Did God bring us here to totally kill us, to destroy us? Like, what is going on, Moses? And then Moses takes the staff that's in his hand by God's order. And he plonks the staff into the Red Sea. And the Red Sea splits in half, and they walk through, okay? And as they're walking through, the Egyptians are like, okay, we're going to do this as well. We're going to just follow them and destroy them on the way, okay? So they're doing this, and the people, God puts this separation, this barrier between the Egyptians and the Israelites so that they can't get to them. And as they, they come through the water, all the water just crashes down on all the forces of darkness that were chasing them. That is literally a picture of baptism. That is a picture of New Testament baptism. You're going into the water, you're coming out of the water, a picture of death and resurrection, sharing in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Okay? Now we're going to go to, this is now God's heart, the Father's heart of freedom. For you and I. Now we're going to go through to 
Jesus' ministry, what his mission was. Okay. Onela, do you want to share that? Okay. So, um, yeah, let me take you a bit into the week as well. So we're meeting people and we having like lunches and stuff and talking to people. And it's just like, man, like these people are so humble. They're so like, you would never imagine that this guy has like an orphanage with 50 kids. He oversees two churches and he's got a family of 10 and seven of them are adopted children and three of them are like his own kids. And he's just like, he's just like, we're just chatting like he's an average Joe. And he, he almost doesn't want to tell me what his name is because he's like, it's not about me. It's about Jesus. And these guys were so committed, so committed to be there. And worshiping with them was something completely different. It was so amazing. It was like the moment that you start worshiping, they all just with their hands in the air, shouting, screaming, praising God. And for me to see that, that level of like Ian was saying earlier on, this thing of like, there's no sacrifice that is too big for Jesus. Jesus gave everything, everything, everything for you and I. There's nothing that we can give that is too big for the kingdom of God. So we're going through and like Ornella and I sticking together. We don't really know many people there. So it was like we like, you know, sticking to ourselves and, you know, just kind of sitting on the couch and eating our lunch there alone and stuff. And, and the people weren't like, they were super friendly. They were super nice. But it just felt like a little bit awkward. It felt like, why am I here? These guys are so like, you know, I don't know. They're like super saints. But they don't see themselves that way. I see them that way. Like, what's going on? And, and the Lord dealt with that in my heart. And I want to encourage you, deliverance is like, I went through deliverance. Ornella went through deliverance this week, this past week. And it's not something that's like, oh, wow, you're going to, I don't know, do all sorts of weird things and draw symbols on the walls and I don't know what. It's like, you can be living right now, sitting here, and there's an area inside your heart that is, that's not open to Jesus. That you standing there and you're guarding and you're like, I don't, God, I, like you can have everything else, Lord, but just this place, like, no, 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 no. I'm, I'm comfortable here. And... I want to tell you now that Jesus wants everything. He, he deserves everything. It's owed to him. So let's fast forward to Isaiah 61 verse 1 to 3. This is also reflected in Luke chapter 4. Jesus starts his public ministry and he goes into the synagogue and he reads the scroll. And this is the beginning of Jesus' ministry to the people of his time. He says this. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me because the Lord has appointed me to bring good news to the poor. Do you need good news right now? Do you need some good news? Do you need some hope? I need good news. Man, there's a lot of bad news out there. He has sent me to comfort the brokenhearted and to announce that captives will be released and prisoners will be freed. Are you brokenhearted? Are you sitting here and you've got past hurts, things that, like you know, saying, unforgiveness from like years ago, things that someone did to you and it wasn't fair what they did, okay, and it wasn't right, and you've just built up this little thing inside your heart, like, man, uh, I deserve to feel bad towards that person. I deserve they, they shouldn't have done that to me. That is not from God. That's not from God. And the thing is, he doesn't want to condemn you. He wants to set you free today. He really does. And he can heal you. If you feel like you haven't, you're like, I will never heal from this. Or if you made a promise to yourself in your heart, like, I will hold this against this person until the day I die. Today, you can break that. You can say, Jesus, I'm going to give this thing to you. Break this. I'm sorry, I repent. I'm sorry for making this, this vow. I want to step back from this thing. Come and heal my heart. It says there, um, please can you go back to the previous one? It says there, he has sent me. The Holy, the God has sent the Son, Jesus Christ, to comfort the brokenhearted. That is literally Jesus' mission on the earth. Okay? 
and to announce that captives will be released and prisoners will be freed. If you go to the next one, he has sent me to tell those who mourn that the time of the Lord's favor has come and with it the day of God's anger against his enemies, against God's enemies. A time of judgment against the forces of darkness. Okay, I go to the next one. To all who mourn in Israel, I want you to listen very carefully to this. To all who mourn in Israel, he will give beauty instead of ashes. That's something when you're mourning, you're like ashes all over the place, like burlap, you know, sackcloth, mourning, crying. Jesus wants to take that and he wants to give you beauty from heaven, okay? Joy instead of mourning, praise instead of hopelessness, despair. For the Lord, and it says actually in another version, it says the garments of, of praise for the spirit of heaviness. There is a spirit of heaviness. Do you realize that? There's a spirit of mourning. There's a time to mourn, but there's a time when it's like this isn't from the Lord anymore because you, you haven't been taking this mourning to Jesus and putting it at the cross and asking him to heal your heart. You've been trying to mourn in your own ability, your own way. And open up this unhealthy door and the spirit comes in, a spirit of mourning, and keeps you in this dark place. And you're like, I can't get out of this place. I don't know how. I'm just so sad all the time. I'm so depressed. How do I get out of here? Well, Jesus says how. Jesus came to bring you joy instead of mourning. Praise, like what we are doing now. Thanking God instead of despair. For the Lord has planted them like strong and graceful oaks for his own glory. That last verse there, for the Lord has planted them like strong and graceful oaks. That's talking about you. That God wants to come and he wants to minister to you and transform you so that you can be that. A strong and graceful oak, a tree of righteousness planted for God's glory, that people will look to you and they'll be like, wow, God is amazing. Wow, look what God can do. Like with Chloe, what she shared now, how amazing is God? At a moment, he sets her free. Just one moment. It's not a big three-hour long thing. It's one moment. He sets her totally free. Okay, you can share now. <laughs> that was a good intro. So um, during the week, it was, it was very painful because of the campsite. I don't like camping. But it was also amazing because um, the Lord showed my heart. Like I've been struggling with a lot of emotions. And the way I always deal with my emotions, like I will close the door and peek through the, like the, the locking key and just look people around just pass by, don't even dare to open that door, leave me inside. And um, so the Lord gave me a dream, like the first day, it was quite rough, <laughs> and it was in three parts, and the first part was everyone was enjoying the moment, everyone was worshipping, and there was a lady that just ran out to the forest, into the darkness with an another man, and she was just like, I'm not going to be part of that place. And when she came back, because the mom was looking for her, and the mom was like, you missed him. Like, he was looking for you. Where were you? You missed him. And the lady was like, I don't care. I don't want to be in that place. Even if he missed me, I don't miss him, and I don't know him. And the second part of the dream was, it was a classroom, and there was a seat at the back, and there was a guy sitting behind that seat. And I came inside the, bar, the, the classroom, and I sat on that seat, and that guy was poking me and distracting me and bullying me all the time while the teacher was teaching about planting outside. And I couldn't follow what the teacher was saying. And then the lady saw me, and she's like, what's going on with you? And then I said, there's someone troubling me. Can't you see him? And then she rebuked that person in my mother tongue, and I was freed. And I stood up and I went outside to catch up with the other students what the teacher was saying. But I was still like, 
I've lost so much. I felt so far behind. And then a bunch of lady came and they're like, don't you want to run with us? And I'm like, but I don't have the right clothing. I'm still in my gown and I don't want to run in my gown. <laughs> and then they're like, but it's okay. You can just come. You, it's fine. And I'm like, no, you know what? I will cheer you up. I will sit there, cheer you up. And then she's like, but it's raining there. It's dark there. But if you run with us, you're going to be joy and it's sunny. And I'm like, okay, well. And then the teacher came and I was feeling like, oh, I really want to, but I don't feel worthy to. And then on Tuesday when I woke up and I told the dream to Jethro, Mervis spoke about loving instead of function in the church. That the church is not about functioning. It's about loving and relationship. And I felt, well, <laughs> I was like, yo, I'm not loving people. I'm not in that place of loving. And I, to be honest, I resented the church. I resented my husband because I couldn't deal with all the emotions that was going on in my heart. And at some point, I hated God. And I was like, God, I don't want to serve you. I can't function for you, but I can't love you, and I can't love your people. And Kristen... <laughs> She saw me and, um, sorry, <laughs> she asked me, how are you doing? How is it going for you? And I just burst out in tears. And I was like, I couldn't hold it. And it was like, nah. <laughs> <laughs> and I think I was so scared I hurt her because I was like, I hate you people. I don't like you people. I want to go back to my family. I don't want to be here and I don't belong. And it was just that sense of abandonment an orphan and rejection. And the whole time for nine months, <laughs> for nine months I've been putting that blanket of this is my safetyness, but it was the lie of the enemy keeping me in that place of loneliness and hurt and fear of going out of the blanket. And I remember when Ian shared a word with Ian. He's like, it's time to come out play. And I send you the gif of a cat hiding in the couch. And I'm like, that's me right now. <laughs> that was me. And then Christine, she called other three ladies. And they prayed for me. And they prayed against that lies, the spirit of abandonment and orphan and being feeling lonely. And just she basically had to tell me you have to make right with God and accept his love. Because I was like, God, you don't love me. And I don't know if I can love you as much anymore. And after praying, I felt that sense of like, get me out. And I'm still there like, I don't a blankie. <laughs> but I feel like I'm ready to really come out of the blanket. So... Yeah, so, um, yeah, like I said, God was busy preparing the message. Uh, yeah, but he was preparing us, actually. Um, so I just want to, yeah, that's so amazing. Like, so just, guys, even on that, really, like, let's not play church, please. Like, we are here, we're human beings, we mess up, okay? Like, it's so important. You're not going to get this outside of church. I'm telling you right now. You try and go to your work environment and ask people to pray for you. And, and ask them that you've got this problem with, like, unforgiveness and stuff. Like, they're going to be like, what are you talking about? Go and see a, a psychologist, you know, that kind of thing. It's, this is, it starts here. It starts here, okay? Here. This is, we don't come here to sing songs, do this. We come here to love one another, to build the kingdom of Jesus Christ. Okay. So, <clears throat> I want to just move on to um, Mark. Yeah, like Ian was saying, I love Mark. It's so action-packed. You know, people normally say like, oh, uh, if, you, if you're a new believer, you should read the book of John, that kind of thing. I'm like, no, go and read Mark. It's like every second word is just like immediately, immediately. Imme After a few chapters, I almost feel like I'm sweating with Mark. It's just, it's so like, you know. Okay, so um, Mark, I found something actually very interesting. Um, I was sharing with Ian this morning. Mark is action-packed. Jesus is portrayed as the servant in Mark, the servant of the people, okay? I'm going to ask you a question. What is the first miracle in the Gospels? 
What's into wine? Excellent. Yes. What is the first miracle in the book of Mark? I know. I also didn't know until yesterday. So, <coughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Can you please turn to turn? Uh, go, click onto Mark one twenty three. Yeah. So a man possessed. Like, check this out. This is like first chapter. Not even the end of the first chapter, and Jesus is busy doing stuff. A man possessed by an evil spirit was where? In the synagogue. He wasn't like in jail. He wasn't like hiding in a cave somewhere. He was in the church. He was in the church. And he began shouting, why are you bothering us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One sent from God. Jesus cut him short. I love that, the New New Living Translation. Be silent. Come out of the man. And that evil spirit screamed and threw the man into a convulsion. But then he left him. I know I was like, okay, I'm going to give you this verse. And I'm like, it doesn't always happen that way. So don't don't get like, oh, I don't want to experience this. So there's the amazement gripped the audience. And they began to discuss what had happened. What sort of new teaching is this? They asked excitedly, it has such authority, even evil spirits obey his orders. Do you know one of the only miracles that isn't seen in the Old Testament is casting out demons. People were raised from the dead. Like there's a lot of stuff that happened in the Old Testament. There was no casting out of demons. If you look at the book of Mark, the... um, What's the second book of the Bible? Exodus. What's the second book of the New Testament? Mark. What is happening in Exodus? People, Jesus is taking people out of the desert, out of Egypt. What's happening in Mark? People are getting set free. The kingdom is coming. Jesus is coming. Just a little thing that I, I don't know, I picked it up. I was like, whoa, that's interesting. Okay, Mark 1. 15. Why, why is this happening now? Why all of a sudden are demons coming out of people in a synagogue? Okay, so Mark 1.15 says, At last the time has come, he announced, The kingdom of God is near. Turn from your sins and believe this good news. Jesus was preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God. That the kingdom of God was like, invading earth he says repent turn away from your sins the kingdom of God is like right here at your hand it's right here right here the only thing to get into it is to repent turn away from your sins turn to Jesus and you step into the kingdom how did Jesus cast out demons Matthew 12 verse 28 it says here but if I'm casting out demons by the spirit of God Then the kingdom of God has arrived among you. What is one of the signs of the kingdom of God appearing on the earth? Is demons are getting cast out. It's like if you're at work and have you ever worked at a job where someone else, another company buys the company and they move in and they start changing everything. I worked at a restaurant, it was like that. These other guys came in, we didn't know, they were our new bosses. Everyone was like, oh, changes, changes. And they're changing the uniforms, they're changing everything. They're changing the menu, new training, new everything. This is what happens. This is what happens when a new authority moves in. Everything changes. And that's what's happening now, is God's kingdom is coming. So, question for you. Did the disciples just watch this? Did they just like, oh, wow, Jesus is casting out demons. That's amazing. Wow, okay. No. No, they didn't just watch. If you go to Luke 10, 18 to 20. So Jesus sends out 72 disciples and to go and preach the gospel in the the towns. And they come back and they're like, whoa, all this stuff is happening. Like even the demons are subject to to us. Like we're telling them to go and they go. And And he says here, yes, he told them, I saw Satan falling from heaven as a flash of lightning. And I have given you authority over all the power of the enemy. 
and you can walk among snakes and scorpions and crush them. It says there, nothing will injure you. Nothing will injure you. Very important, remember that, okay? So when Jesus died and rose again, everything changed. Everything changed completely. Now these guys have been giving like this dedicated authority for a while and then they're casting out demons and then, and then when they come back, it's like kind of almost taken away, you know, it's a bit of a weird thing. And then when Jesus dies and he comes back to life and he defeats death, dies on the cross for you, for the sins that you have lived in and walked in, that Jesus took that punishment on himself, that he came here and when he died and he rose again, it says some interesting stuff. It says that he put powers and principalities to shame the same way that God did with Pharaoh. He came and destroyed the work of darkness. It says in Mark 16, verse 15 to 18, this is Jesus' last words to the disciples in the book of Mark, this action-packed book. Um, he told them, go into all the, and I, I'm just going to, let's just pause. If you believe in Jesus Christ, and he's your Lord and Savior, I want you to stand up right now. Okay? If you believe God, you don't just believe in him, but when he speaks, you believe what he says. Okay? It says here, and he told them, he told you, he told me, okay, go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone, everywhere. Anyone who believes, is that you? Are you anyone? Do you believe? Okay. And is baptized, will be saved, will be saved. But anyone who refuses to believe will be condemned. These signs will accompany those who believe. Not might accompany those. Not maybe they will accompany those. It says that these signs will accompany those who believe. Do you believe? Then these signs will follow you. They will, okay? They will cast out demons in my name. And they will speak new languages. They will be able to handle snakes with safety. Okay, this part I almost like want to gray it out. But, um, and if they drink anything poisonous, it won't hurt them. They will be able to place their hands on the sick and heal them. Who's ever healed for, um, prayed for a sick person and seen them healed? Who's ever spoken in a new tongue? Okay. So this is something that's happening. You're welcome to have a seat again. This is something that's happening right now. Right now. Okay. So I want you to understand this is not something that is far away and weird, whatever. This is something as close as praying for healing, as close as speaking in tongues, okay? So now we're going to fast forward quickly to New Testament. And um, just, okay, there's actually, there's two things. Yeah, just two last things that I want to talk about. The one is fear, because this is something that is growing, growing, growing in today's culture, unfortunately, okay? So, um, if we could please turn, uh, click on to Psalm 23, verse 4 to 5. Even when I walk through the valley of death, I will not be afraid, for you are close beside me. You rod and your staff protect me and comfort me. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. Do you remember what we said the title of this message was? I actually almost forgot now. Um, feast in the wilderness. God took his people out, out of Egypt, to a feast. Here, he's saying, you prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. Because what we get comes from God, not from this world. You welcome me as a guest, anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessing. Please, can you turn to the verse previously? That one where it says, I will not be afraid for you are close beside me. You might know it is, I will fear no evil. Do you fear evil? Do you fear the devil? Do you fear demons? Do you fear when you're walking in the street that someone's going to rob you? Here he's saying there's a place for you to not fear at all. 
and to only fear God, to fear no evil, okay? And why is that? Because you, because you, God, the creator of the heavens and the earth, is right here. He's here with you because you're his son and his daughter. Let's go to uh, 1 or 2 Timothy. Oh, let me see. It says here, God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity. Do you know what was on Ornella was a spirit of fear and timidity going, retreating back. That does not come from God. I want you to settle that in your mind right now. If that's something that you're experiencing, that's demonic. You know, one of the, the best things that the devil does is, is try and pretend that he's not there, that he doesn't exist, that your enemy is actually your co-worker, that it's your husband or your wife. They are the ones that you're fighting against, okay? That he's not involved, he's not doing anything at all, okay? This is a total lie. You are fighting against powers, principalities, rulers of darkness in high places, and you're doing it by the Spirit of God. Even Jesus Christ cast out demons by the Spirit of God. Here it says, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but he's given us a spirit of power, of love, a spirit of love. Are you walking in a spirit of love? Are you walking in a spirit of power, of self-discipline or a sound mind? Are you walking in a spirit of a sound mind that you don't, you're not bombarded by thoughts, negative thoughts, thoughts that are harassing you, torturing you? That's not from God. That's not from God. God has given you a spirit of self-discipline. Okay, last one. In closing, in landing. Galatians 5 verse 1. Stand fast in freedom. Christ has really set us free. Now make sure that you stay free. Don't get tied up again in slavery to the law. It's possible for you to be saved be flying high, walking with the Lord, and then get offended. And someone does something, and you, you start drawing away, and you start stepping away. You know, Ornello had that deliverance. I also had a deliverance. I actually marked it on my phone, 19th, um, 19th of May. I hope it's the right date. Uh, the 19th of May, it was a Thursday. Ryan was preaching. He stood up, and he started saying things like, if you, are, if you have this voice in your head that says, there must be more. You can do better. No, you can do better. You can do better. There must be more. That's not from God. God doesn't do that. He comes in with power and love. God comes in with life. He comes in and changes things. He doesn't put pressure on you to change things. He comes and changes things himself. Okay? And when he said that, I was like, oh my word. Is that what I've been doing all along? I actually wanted to go like to Ian and the leadership team like, oh guys, I'm so sorry. You guys are like, have so much grace with me. I can't believe it. Like, but this is what happens. Like we don't realize it's actually happening that we're walking in this. We think it's normal, but it's not. And, and what happened was I put up my hand. Ryan was saying, and I was like, oh my word, yes, that's me, totally. I put up my hand and there was a ministry time and Luke Watson and some other guys, David, where are you? David came, prayed for me. It was amazing. And he, they were just praying for like that orphan spirit, like feeling like you're on the outskirts, feeling like you need to work and do things to be accepted by people and breaking that and, and, and saying to God, God, would you bring this guy in as a son, a son of the kingdom? And if that's you, you're sitting here and you're like, I don't feel like a son. I don't feel like a daughter. I actually feel far away. I feel like I need to do stuff and, and prove myself to people to be accepted. That's not God's way. That's really not. We can pray today and that thing will break. I literally put it on my calendar because from that day I could feel something was different. It was just, and it wasn't huge. It was just like, it's so much easier to speak to people and be with people. And I don't feel uncomfortable. I don't feel awkward. Like I need to prove myself. Okay, last one. Uh, Galatians 5, 19 to 23. How do we see what is from the flesh and from the devil and what is from God? When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, your lives will produce the following results. If this is you, keep it in your heart and, and ask the Lord to come and do something, to 
come and change things. Repent of it. Sexual immorality, impure thoughts. Do you suffer from impure thoughts? Like these crazy impure thoughts. Uh, where are we? Eagerness for lustful pleasures. Okay, That's like addictions. Idolatry. So worshiping anything that's not God. Participating in demonic activities. You know that the enemy can use such sly ways. If you're watching a movie and there's homosexual, like rampant homosexual sexuality in the movie, or there's people that are disobeying their fathers and their mothers in the movie, do you think that's from God? That's not. That's demonic activity. Okay? What does it say here? Participating in demonic activities. You can be participating in demonic activities, not even realize it. You're like, why do I feel so bad afterwards? Why, why are things like changed in my heart? Why do I feel bad towards other people? Because I've been doing this. Hostility. Do you feel just like, oh man, that person looked at me the wrong way. I want to punch them. That can be a thing, hey? Just don't do it. Just don't do it. Uh, quarreling. Jealousy. Um, outbursts of anger. Like you just get offended and you just like, Ugh, like you just want to, you know. Selfish ambition. The world is full of selfish ambition. It's like, man, it's everywhere. That's not from God. Divisions. The feeling that everyone is wrong except those in your own little group. Envy. Drunkenness. Wild parties and other kinds of sin. Let me tell you again as I have before. That anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. It says repent. Repent. Because the kingdom of God is at hand. Turn away from these things. Turn to Jesus and you'll enter the kingdom of God. But if you carry on walking in that sin and you want to be in the kingdom of God, it doesn't work that way. It doesn't. God wants a holy people. He wants us to be set apart for himself. Jesus died at a great price. He bought you with such a great price. But when the Holy Spirit controls our lives, he will produce this kind of fruit in us. Now I want you to ask yourself, am I experiencing this with the people around me and in my own life? Love. Joy, joy from God, not joy because I'm watching a comedy, joy that comes from heaven, peace, peace not from smoking weed, peace that comes from Jesus, I thought that was all the peace there was when I wasn't saved, peace that comes from heaven, this like unnatural peace, patience, that's something we can really struggle with, you can submit to the Holy Spirit and be like, God, I am such an impatient person, help me Lord, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Self-control, guys, big one, big one. Like, how many times have you struggled, struggled, fighting addictions, fighting all these things? Okay, trying to fight it in your own ability and your own strength. And like, I'm gonna get, be more disciplined. I'm gonna be more self-controlled. That stuff only comes as a fruit of the Holy Spirit. When you submit it to God and walking in obedience to Him, these things follow. You can't do it in your own ability. There's, here there is no conflict with the law. Okay, I'm going to, um, yeah, allow Ian to land. Otherwise, going to start hovering around and around. <laughs> I love that translation. It's so vivid. Michelle, do you want to come and share? Normally at this point of the morning, I'll ask you all to close your eyes. And I was asking God, what does he want to do this morning? And I felt like God saying that this is not something to be ashamed of. So to close our eyes would be almost to imply, I was at the, I was at the preaching session masterclass yesterday morning, and... I was very, very grateful at the end of the session because at the end of the session, Peter, who has just been pre like preaching and teaching in this amazing way for hours, at the end of the session, he's like, great, now we're going to practice, which for me is like, can I just, is there a rapture? I don't believe in the rapture, but if there could be a rapture, could you take me now? Now would be a good time, Lord. And he's like, I've asked five people to come up and give a one-minute preach. And I'm like... He hasn't asked me. I don't have a piece of paper in my hand. And there's a sense of like relief. 
I don't know why I shared that, but it was something to do with just that nervousness of like, oh, this is why. So I spent the next 10 minutes sitting on the floor, staring at my feet because I felt so awkward for the people that had to do it that I got awkward. <laughs> so I want to share that. That's just something about me. That's just my personality. I just, <clears throat> yeah, I, yeah. But <laughs> I find it funny when people are feeling awkward. But anyway, so I wanted to invite you guys. Jesus wants to invite you guys. This is nothing to be ashamed of. It's, it's, it's amazing. That, that passage that Jethro shared um, out of Mark, what I love about when Jesus walked the earth was he's like, oh, you're, you're blind. Okay, cool. I'll spit on something and then put it on you and then you can see again. Oh, you've got an evil spirit. Okay, cool. Get out. He didn't do it differently. He wasn't like, okay, no, um, healings I do on a daily basis, but uh, deliverance come on a Thursday. It takes extra prep. No, because in Jesus' eyes, there is no difference between illness and demonic activity. Because illness is a form of corruption, which is a form of demonic activity. So if I called out right now, if I was like, hey, Nsiki, I see you've got a cast on your leg. Come out and we'll pray for your leg for healing. He's not going to be like, nah, that's awkward. He's be like, yes, get this thing off of me. I want to be free. I want to run again. And yet if I say to you guys, do you want freedom? There's going to be that sense of, oh, but people are going to see it. It's going to be awkward. I remember the blind guy and Jesus said, and the people said to Jesus, who sinned, this man or his parents, for him to be blind? And he said, nobody. He's blind for my glory because I'm going to heal him. And for some of us, there might be that sense of like, I don't want to go through deliverance because it implies that I did something wrong, that I sinned. And so I'm ashamed of my sin. And so I don't feel it. And I want to say that there is no shame. There is no condemnation. There is only freedom. The Israelites in Egypt were not ashamed of being slaves. It was their identity. It was what they were. They just wanted to get out of it. say this is an open invitation and you can come to me right now and we can pray for you and I want to just say like I, that's the first I'd heard I heard Ornella had a story but I hadn't heard the story yet I was crying through that story because that's Jesus why would we not want more of that why would we want to stay? Why would we want to keep ourselves away from that? And so, if you this morning are done, if you're sick and tired of any of those things that we put on the board or the list that I shared earlier, if you're done and you want freedom, come to the front, and we're going to pray for you. You can also come to me later and we can talk about it later, but why wait? You can come to me in six months' time and we can talk in six months' time, but, but who wants to do that? If, if, we'd, if Moses had gone to Israel and said, guys, listen, we've got a couple of options here. We can go there now. Or um, God also says, I, I can come back in six months. Where we, what do you guys want? <laughs> they wanted to get out now. So if you want to get out now, Come. Don't wait. I'm not going to ask you to share what it is. I'm not going to embarrass you. Jesus already knows what it is. But if you want freedom, I'm going to ask the leaders and anybody else, actually, I don't know why I said the leaders, anybody, because we're all filled with, the, if you're saved, if you're filled with the Holy Spirit, if you can hear God's voice, I want you to come out and find some people and come and pray. And we're going to trust that Jesus is going to set the captives free this morning. Because there's no shame.
There's just freedom. And some things come out through a cough. Some things come with a little bit more of a fight. But what I want you to know, whatever happens next, Jesus is the one doing this, not the person praying for you. Don't wait for me to come and pray for you. I'm not the mighty man of God. Jesus is coming to pray for you. We're just here to represent Him. 